life, the God in whom we worship, the Son of God who we put our faith and trust in. And the climactic act is him suffering on a cross. You know, and maybe because a lot of us were born Christians and grew up Christians, we do not understand how profound a revelation this is for a religion like us. You know, the symbol of Christianity is the cross. The symbol of Christianity is a God who suffers. You know, we just uh, participated in the communion and uh, as Sanjay Patra is saying, that it is a symbol of Christ's suffering and us remembering Christ's suffering. So <clears throat> the thing is, human suffering is a universal thing. Right? All, every human being goes through that. There's no human being who's kind of escaped human suffering. You know? There's no human being who's lived like 60, 70 years and says, you know what, I escaped suffering. We don't. It is a universal condition. And so, in a sense, all religions have to answer the question of human suffering. And they have to. They have to be able to answer it. They can't skip it because it's difficult. And Christianity places a particular emphasis on suffering and looks at suffering in the light of Jesus Christ. And in a sense, all religions do. You know, uh, Islam looks at uh, inshallah as a way in which to understand human suffering. Uh, uh, Hinduism looks at the karmic cycle as the reasons to why humans suffer. But one particular religion that particularly focuses or emphasizes on human suffering as the basis of its theology is actually Buddhism. Buddhism starts with the notion that life is suffering. The world is full of suffering. That's how it starts. Just like how Christianity starts with, in the beginning God, Buddhism starts with the notion the world is full of suffering. But here's how Buddhism answers the question. Suffering is caused by desire and suffering by ending desire. And this can be achieved through the eight uh, fold paths and this four noble truths. One of the basic understanding of Buddhism or the theology of Buddhism is that we can escape suffering. We can, suffering is a reality that is there in this world. All right. But we as human beings or the religion, what the religion pushes its devotees to do is to escape it altogether. Escape the suffering that is there. It's real. All right. So don't desire anything. You know, you, you love your wife, you love your children, but one day you might have to see them dead or one day you might have to see your children sick, you know, and you have to go through so much suffering. So don't desire anything. Don't love. Just stay away from it, you know, and that's how you can escape suffering. The Christian idea, in a sense, is completely opposite to that. The Christian idea is never to escape suffering. The Christian idea is to hold on to an unchanging God and a God of love. And through it, we can transcend suffering. We can change our suffering into something else, something more beautiful, something more glorious. Yeah. And that is the basic idea of Christianity, you know, that the sufferings that we go through, we do not escape it. You know, even the economic suffering that we will be going through after the virus, you know, if not the suffering that we are going through right now, it's never to escape it, but to hold on to God, Christ, a God who suffers, and in and through it, something more beautiful can happen. You know, I've always thought of this question. Is there, is suffering ever worth it? You know, 
is there any suffering that is so that can bring great joy out of it you know and one of the obvious examples to it is childbirth there's no mother who would come out of the hospital and say i should not have gone through so much pain and suffering why would she not say that because the joy and beauty of holding a child in her arms is much greater than the suffering that she went through you know the suffering in a sense is worth it because something more beautiful has come out of it and in a sense what christianity points us to that is this that on the cross though however great the suffering is okay however tumultuous and unbearable the suffering is something much greater has come out of it and so in a sense it makes that suffering worth it and christianity points to that you know christianity is holding on to that hope that we hold on to a god who has suffered and through it we can transcend anything that we go through you know god never gives us something that we cannot handle god always gives us enough so that in and through that suffering something more beautiful can come out of it now i've always been struck by the story and i've heard ravi zacharias say it is the story of uh, saint telemachus you know it's a, it's a beautiful story and you might have heard it it happened in 404 ad where saint telemachus was a monk and he is visiting rome for the first time and he's seeing a gladiator battle happen and it's a gruesome battle if you've seen the movie gladiator you would see how gruesome it is you know there's uh, there's like uh, complete disregard for life you know there's bloodshed and mayhem and people are cheering and saint telemachus who's this monk is sitting in the colosseum he's come to rome for the first time and he is shocked by what has happened he's utterly shocked by what is happening in that stadium you know people are killing each other gladiators are killing the slave and then he gets up and he shouts and this is this is written by a historian all right uh, who uh, who's uh, got information from what happened in the colosseum at that point in time and saint telemachus is shouting on top of his voice in the name of jesus stop this stop this but you can imagine in a crowd with uh, of thousands of people one person's voice would be completely shrouded out there so then saint telemachus again shouts on top of his voice and then he runs down all right he runs down shouting in the name of jesus stop this and then he enters into the colosseum and now he's got people's attention you know he's one person in the podium along with all the audience is now in the center of the arena if you've seen the colosseum it's like circular it goes down and then there is the arena and saint telemachus is in the arena and he's shouting again in the name of jesus stop this and now people are listening to him paying attention and they are going to tell the gladiators run a sword through him run a sword through him. and so one of the gladiator comes and saint telemachus shouts in the name of jesus stop this and the gladiator takes his sword and the historian right he plunges it into saint telemachus chest he plunges it turns it over and then pulls it out you know it's not just enough to plunge it. if you turn it over then you're messing up with the organs inside it's a sure death and he pulls it out and the words of the historian says this as saint telemachus is on his knees he shouts one last time in the name of jesus stop this and history goes that slowly they become this a silence throughout you can see you can hear silence throughout that um, uh, um, colosseum 
And what it says is the emperor was so taken up by this action that he bans gladiator battles after that. You know, and this type of horrendous sport, bloodshed, the name that thousands die, is then eradicated because of the suffering that he goes through. And this is just one story, but in a sense, it points to Christians throughout centuries that their human suffering or their suffering of what they have gone through, what the, what the story of the cross shows that is on a grand macro scale, that God's divine suffering has alleviated our sufferings within. But it's also reflected in our lives, just like it is done in St. Thelemachus' life. It also reflects in our life. How are we relating to the suffering that we go through and the beauty that can come out of that suffering? And Christians are at a beautiful advantage of it because we hold on to a God who can suffer, to a God who has suffered and continues to suffer. The important question that we definitely ask is, where is God in our suffering? Right? I mean, we're going, that's, uh, if you look at it, that's one of the most commonly asked questions, not just by religious people now, but even by secular people, you know, the question that is posed is if God is, if you believe that there is a God, then why is the world completely collapsed at this point in time? You know, why would he, allow, where is God in all this suffering? And this is a, it's a very common question, you know, and the question that it's a very strong existential question. You know, uh, we as Azadine, one of the things that we do is we go to different colleges and we speak at different colleges. And the most common question of whether colleges or corporate offices, the most common questions that we have is this question. You know, if God is all good, why did my auntie have to suffer? Or why did my mother have to suffer? Why do we have to go through these suffering? And the question is, where is God in our suffering? And for me, one of the most beautiful ways that it's shown is in this movie. This movie is called God on Trial. It's a play, actually. And it's, um, it's a group of Jews who is part, they are in the Holocaust and they are a part of, uh, um, they are, they are uh, in one of the Nazi camps at this point in time. They're going to, um, they're living a harsh life and gas chamber is their next step. And in that room, they're going to discuss what happened to Yahweh? You know, Yahweh is the God who called us out. Yahweh is our Redeemer. We have always held on to him. But how is it that Yahweh has allowed a situation where the Germans are able to treat us like this? If the Germans are able to treat us like this, then God has completely abandoned us. The only answer is God has completely abandoned us. You know, he has left us altogether. Okay. And so they're going to have like a debate in this, you know, every, all the, and all the people, all the inmates are going to participate in it. And the, their question is going to be posed, where is God in this? And there's this one son and the debate comes down to one son and that father. And the son is furiously spitting out venom. You know, it's like, if God is like this, this is what happened. He's left us. God hates us. God is now on the side of the Nazis. If this has to happen, he's left us in our suffering. And the climax of the movie is, and sorry for the spoilers here, one of the things that the father says, and which is going to be the climax of the movie is, God is not left us. Where is God? God is here with us. God is here in this room, suffering with us. God has not abandoned us at all. 
God is in us. God is with us, suffering here with us. And in a sense, that is the powerful Christian symbol of the cross. That no matter what we go through, we understand, even if we feel the situation is so difficult that God is not with us, we do not get our understanding of God from the situation. We get our understanding of God from what is revealed to us from the scripture. That God is always with you, suffering with you. God is always right next to you in your suffering. Now, I want to read a quote and it's, it's, it's quite a long quote by John Stott. Uh, you would have heard it before. But we actually have a very, very peculiar answer to human suffering, which in a sense only the cross can satisfy. He says, I could never myself believe in God if it were not for the cross. The only God I believe in is the one Nietzsche ridiculed as God on the cross. In the real world of pain, how could one worship a God who's immune to it? I have entered many Buddhist temples in different Asian countries and stood respectfully before the statue of Buddha, his legs crossed, arms folded, eyes closed, the ghost of a smile playing around his mouth. A remote look on his face detached from the agonies of the world. But each time after a while I had to turn away and in, and in imagination I have turned instead to that lonely, twisted, tortured figure on the cross. Nails through his hands and feet, back lacerated, limbs wrenched, brow bleeding with thorn sprit, mouth dry and plunged into God-forsaken darkness. That is the God for me. He laid aside his immunity to pain and entered our world of flesh and blood, tears and death. He suffered for us. Our suffering becomes more manageable for the, in the light of his. There is still a question mark against human suffering, but over it we boldly start, stamp another mark. The cross that symbolizes divine suffering. The cross of Christ is God's only self-justification in the world as ours. The other gods were strong, but thou art weak. They rode, but thou didst stumble to our throne. But to our wounds, only God's wounds can speak. And not a God has wounds, but thou alone. Very powerful thing that he is saying here. That in a world of human suffering, in the world that we inhabit, it is only the cross of Christ which is able to answer the deep predicament of the suffering that we go through. You know, he says there is still a question mark on human suffering. All human beings go through it. But what Christians have and what we as Christians have and what we are celebrating today is a bold mark that we can stamp over it. The cross that symbolizes divine suffering. That no matter what we go through, God is with us, suffering with us. You know, and in a few days, we are going to celebrate Easter, which is in a sense going to point out that no human suffering is so great that it cannot be transcended to something glorious, something much better, something greater than itself. And that is what we as human beings, we as Christians are celebrating. Um, one of the things that I, I, I was reading recently, which really struck me, and I think it's uh, important for each one of us and gives us a message of hope, is this, you know, um, it's written by a, a, a church historian. His name is Rodney Stark. It's a book called Rise of Christianity. And he's answering the question, how did Christianity, who is a small sect of, you know, Jewish people, a small, small sect of Christians, completely conquer the Roman Empire. And one of the reasons he's going to give 
is because of the epidemics and pandemics that happened during the early Christian era. You know, there was the whole um, Antoine plague, which, um, which is like a smallpox or measles at that point in time, which completely spread through the Roman Empire. You know, um, it's much worse than what we are experiencing today. More than 5,000 people were dying every day okay, in, in the Roman Empire. 5,000 people dying every single day. And he said, during this time, is when Christianity rose up because of a lot of things. One of the things is that the Christians had a comfort in Christ, which pagan religions didn't have. Christians were able to go through this suffering because they hold on to a God who's suffering for them and because of which they can suffer for those around. You know, they had an ideology strong enough not just to give them personal comfort, but to also keep them united during a time of suffering. So when other pagan religions and the community fragmented and they were trying to scatter and take care of themselves, the Christian community stood strong because they were rallied or they had a communion around the person of Jesus Christ. They had a hope which is strong enough to not just give them comfort, but to pull them together. And it's not just that. All right. The third thing is not just pull them together, but it's also drive them to action drive them to great acts of love and charity at a time when the whole world is trying to escape from it, you know. And in a sense, what that means for us today is something that we need to translate in our own lives, you know. That does not mean we go out and help people at a time like this or go out there, you know. Some people are called for that. Well, that's a different thing. But in a sense, we can all... We can all expect to do acts of great love, whatever that is, in whatever small way that is, reaching out to people, reaching out to them online, helping neighbors, helping your security guard, giving something extra to your mate. Whatever it is, we can help people during this time of suffering and do not have to be caught up in the suffering because we hold on to a God who suffers for us. And just like the early Christians who were able to give a message of hope, and able to act in a manner which was unprecedented throughout the Roman Empire, I think we too can in some way at a point like this, because we believe in a God who suffers for us. I'm going to end with certain points. Sometimes we as Christians, uh, we look at the cross of Christ and we look at it as a tragic or an event that happened you know, 2000 years ago. But it's not just a historical event. You know, it is definitely a historical event. But what the cross symbolizes is the revelation of God. You know, and that is our theological position, that the cross points out to who God is. That God is not a God who 2000 years ago suffered for us, but God is a God who's suffering for us now, at this point. God is a God who's always giving himself completely for us as Christians, even though we spit at his face and walk out of him over and over again. He continues to suffer for us. He continues to call us and drive us towards him, even though we constantly break his heart. And so what the cross symbolizes, or what the cross points out, is a God who's always continuously suffering for us. But what it also points is that in and through that suffering, God is also redeeming this world. God is also making this world in a, a beautiful place in and through that suffering. 
and we participate in that. And what a beautiful reminder for us this Good Friday that God is continuously suffering. And if that is our God, then we participate in it and we can get through any struggles, however bad it might be or however bad it's going to be. You know, you can just imagine, you know, uh, like definitely in my lifetime, I'm not, we've not faced a crisis as big as this, you know, like on such a global scale. And you could just imagine we are just in the, in the starting point of a lot of events, uncertainty, anxiety, and how much ever the secular world or the other religious world tries, they will not be able to adequately have enough resources to handle the situation because they do not have a worldview that is strong enough to, to completely hold them together and get through it. You know, they would be breakdowns. And in a sense, it is our moment to shine because we have a God who's, who we have an understanding of a God who suffers for us and an understanding that we can go through these sufferings with his help. We can do and God continuously and constantly goes through this suffering for us. You know, just as John Stott says, there's a question mark on human suffering. You know, the point is not to ask, oh, why are we going through this? Or what is the reason behind it? The point is in and through the cross of Christ, we hold it in our hearts and through it, we can transcend it. Through it, something beautiful can come out of it. Let me pray and then I will move it back to Sanjipatra. Our loving Heavenly Father, it is through your cross that something beautiful might come out of this. No matter what human suffering that we go through, Lord, we always cling on to you, a God who suffers with us, a God who is right there next to us. What a comforting fact, Lord, that you are not some in some faraway galaxy or a planet immune to our suffering, but you are with there. You're right here with us. We pray, Lord, for the situation that we are all in, the world is in, and each of us individuals find ourselves, Lord. But we know, Lord, that whatever we go through, something beautiful can happen. Help us, Lord, to spread your love that you have shown to us through the world around at this time, though it might be hard for us, Lord. Help us to spread your love and help us to continually spread your love and sacrifice as the God and the discipleship or the disciples that you've called us to. Guide us, Lord Jesus, be with us. Help us as we continually remind us, uh, remember this day in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.